Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Mary Helen, it's hot now, okay? Not hot and ready, okay? Hot now. Now, every time I go past a hot now sign at Krispy Kreme and Kathy was with me, I'd say, they're talking about you, woman. And, uh, uh, <laughs> all right, so guys, guys, you can take a hint from me, okay? Uh, that, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> oh, uh, couple of things. As you came in this side today, you saw where we're doing some construction, and uh, we're, that's going to be going on for the next uh, uh, few weeks. We'll start over here in a couple of weeks. And in between that, we have Night to Shine here this Friday night, and we could sure appreciate your prayers, because we'll have about 150 guests, special needs guests, and uh, we get to minister to them that evening. This will actually be turned into a, a, a dance floor in here, and we have an incredible time, uh, so be praying about that. So the construction, that's going on, and you notice I'm sitting today. Some of you all heard I I had some back procedure this week. Somebody said, no, it's back surgery because there's staples in there. It wasn't a big deal. They injected me with some cement. So if I'm a little stiff today, okay, it's, it's the cement setting up. So uh, uh, it, nothing, nothing too serious, and it wasn't going to keep me uh, from uh, preaching to you guys today. Actually, they, I went to pre-op on Tuesday, and uh, they called me on the way home and said, the doctor decided he's going to do that in the morning. I said, what? And uh, he says, yeah, he wants to do it tomorrow. So I'm going to try to sit. I probably won't do it very well, but we're going to get into this study on the Song of Solomon. It'll be today and the next three Sundays. And so next week, I will just go ahead and give you a warning. We're going to go to their marriage, and we're going to join them on the honeymoon. Okay? So just be prepared uh, as, as we look at that. So uh, I want to give you two verses that will be foundational as we study the Song of Solomon. The first one is from Genesis, the second chapter. Genesis 2nd chapter and verse 24. And what it says there uh, is, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. This is what you need to understand as we study the book of Song of Solomon and we as a church believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. We believe that's what's taught in God's word. And if it's anything else, it's settling for less than God's best and, and, and you won't get what God designed. And so I, I, I state that up front. And I want you to understand also as we go through this, if you're like I am, as you begin to do this study of Song of Solomon, you're going to see areas where you come up short where you've messed up. And I want us to look at Joel, the second chapter in verse 25. Joel 2 and verse 25, he says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. And what, what God is saying to the people of Israel, he says, I've had to punish you because you've gone in the wrong direction. But you know what? If you'll turn back to me, I will restore what the locusts have eaten. And so as we go through this, you find maybe that you haven't lived up to what this is all about. Can I, can I tell you, you can go to God 
and say, God, will you restore to me what the locusts have eaten? Will you help me for, for the things uh, that, that, that I, I moved in the wrong direction on? So, so that's kind of a precursor, and that's uh, some important stuff, and we'll refer to both of those as we go through. So we're going to jump into the Song of Solomon. It is a book written by Solomon, inspired by God, and, and it's about sex, romance, dating, attraction, marriage, and, and how to hold a marriage together. Solomon had 700 wives. Who better to write about this, right? Uh, hopefully on number 700, he got better at it, I hope. So, uh, uh, so, uh, but a lot of people have said, well, this is, a book about, this is a book about God's relationship with us. And when you read Ephesians 5, you know that Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom, and we as the church are, are the bride. Yeah, there's that, there's that analogy that's there, but I honestly believe this book is a handbook on, on, on love, sex, and marriage. It, and, and it will tell us how to do it. You know, God's given us a, uh, this, this feeling inside of us of romance and love. He's given us a passion uh, called sex. And, and on top of that, he's given us this institution called marriage. And, and uh, we tend to focus on what he tells us not to do in all those things. And what Solomon is going to tell us is how to do it right. And, and so as we jump into this, I, I, I hope you'll understand that. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a really interesting book. It's been censored often. The young Jewish children were not allowed to read it because of the content. And, and, and on top of that, if it were made into a movie, I guarantee you it would be R-rated, okay? Um, maybe X-rated. I, I, I don't know how they do all that stuff, but, but, but it's a pretty hot and steamy book. What we're going to see in there is they're going to move from the attraction stage to the dating stage to the courting stage. We're going to see them get married. We're going to go with them on their honeymoon. We're going to see them have sex twice. We're going to see them fight, and that's over a quarter of the book. That may give you an idea about marriage. Um, and we're going to see them fight, and then we're going to see how they do it for the long haul. And, and I will tell you, parents, if, if you're a little nervous about your children being in here, they already know. Their friends have taught them if you haven't. And, and what better place to learn uh, than, than from God's Word? So I, I want you to understand that. So this is a sermon in a sentence today. And it's this. God has a plan for, your, for our love, marriage, dating, sex, and romance. God has a plan. You know, but we don't often talk about that. But we're going to see this in the Song of Solomon. So we're going to start out with attraction. And attraction is answering the question, who are they? The, 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 this idea of attraction is, is answering the question, who are they? Now, you know, just like I know, is that the world focuses on the externals. And what I would tell you is don't focus on the external, but focus on the internal and eternal character. Did you get that? We want to focus on what's on the inside. Uh, on that that will last for all eternity. And, and so we're going we're, we're gonna to look at this. And you have to understand this. You, you watch TV. You know that there are industries in America, okay? You know there are industries in America that are built on making people look good. They make hair products. They, they, they give you haircuts. They do makeup. Uh, they, they will take fat from your hips and inject it into your lips. Uh, they, they will inject your body with Botox, which is a deadly poison to get rid of your, your wrinkles. I, I mean, it's a crazy, and there are billions and billions of dollars spent on it. And it's all focused on the external. And what Song of Solomon reminds us is that we've got to look to the internal. Have you noticed Hollywood? They have the best bodies and the worst marriages. 
they focused on the externals. We're going to focus on the internals as we read this. And so as we jump into SOS, you're going to notice the very first thing. And I'll refer to it as SOS, Song of Solomon or Song of Songs. I will refer to it that way. And we're going to jump in at the very beginning. And this is what I would call the attraction level. And we're asking, who are they? And I'm getting ready to give you five characteristics to look for. And it's all from the book of the Song of Solomon. We're going to start in verse 2. And I want you to see what it says in verse 2. It says, let him kiss me. This is, a, this is the lady. She's a Shulamite. She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. We rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. The very first characteristic that you need to look for is what I would call a good name. This requires some investigation because what you want to do is find out who they are. What what is their character? And and it's going to require a little bit of an investigation. What are they known for? If you hear that they're a mean person, can I tell you what? That's not going to get any better. If you hear that they're unkind, that's not going to get any better. You've got to find out what their name stands for and who they are. You've got to understand that. Proverbs 22 and 1 says, a good name is more delightful than riches. And so if you're getting ready to go on a date with somebody, you're getting ready to invest your life with somebody, I would strongly suggest you do a little bit of investigation to know who they are and to hear about their name. And if you hear bad things about them, you need to run. The the second one that we see, we're going to look at verse 5 now. And it says says in verse 5, it says, Dark am I. Yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark. I want you to remember this in a few verses, what she says there. Do not stare at me because I'm dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyards I had to neglect. She's talking about her body there when she says her own vineyards she had to neglect. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flocks and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman? A veiled woman would have been a prostitute, okay? She's saying, I don't want to be like one of those ladies out chasing guys. I like a veiled woman uh, beside the flocks of your friends. Now, we're going to see the next four characteristics that you need to look for. And this is the investigation you're doing. The next one is that they're submissive. She submitted to her brothers, Okay, can I just tell you this right now? If the person that you're thinking about dating, if the person that you may be attracted to is not submissive, you've got a problem. I think the number one thing is they have to be submissive to Jesus Christ. Okay, submissive to Jesus Christ. And if that's there, then then the rest is going to be good. But you know, we've all got to be submissive, don't you? I had to be submissive to my parents. I'm submissive to the elders here. They're, they're, they're my boss. Uh, well, you're submissive probably to a boss that you have, maybe to a professor or a teacher. There are all sorts of ways that we have to be submissive. And if a person can't submit, can I tell you what? It's not going to go well. And they're not going to submit to God's plan for marriage, and it's going to get ugly. So that's the, the second one. The third one is hard working. Hardworking. This lady worked hard in the vineyards. I'm going to just tell you, laziness is the number one enemy of marriage. 
Laziness is number one enemy of marriage. Now, I'm, I'm going to make a statement here, and, and I may hear some amens here. Marriage is hard work. Amen? You weren't supposed to say that. Oh. Um, it, it takes, it's a lot of hard work to be married. And if a person is lazy as a single, it's only going to get worse once they got you. And so I tell you, that's one thing you want to see. Are they willing to do what is needed to keep a marriage strong and to help it get stronger? The fourth one is right along that line, and it's self-sacrificing. Self-sacrificing. You notice she said, I neglected my vineyard to work on theirs. That's important to know. Will they sacrifice their wants and their preferences to help make this marriage work? And, 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 and this, is, this is just huge when I look at it. It is that so many times we have to have it our way. And sometimes when you're married, you've got to say, no, I'm going to have to compromise here. And, and I'm going to have to work in that area. So if they're not willing to sacrifice in any area, I would tell you, run. The fifth one, and this is to me the most important, is their God-fearing. She said, I don't want to be like one of those prostitutes. I don't want to be like a veiled woman. She wanted to live a life that God wanted her to live. And so that, that's what she did. Uh, she wants to be a godly woman. She, she wants to be uh, the type of woman that God will bless and will be under his protection. And uh, I think that's the number one trait. You have to have somebody that's God-fearing. And uh, if they don't love Jesus and have a job, run. Okay? They don't love Jesus and have a job run. Now, you've heard it said, and this is something that I think is very important to understand here. Beauty, beauty is only skin deep. And that's very true when you look at this. I can remember in college, and, and uh, my wife will know the young lady I'm speaking of. One of, uh, one of the guys, and he was a year ahead of me, came to college married. And he had, I mean, she was a knockout. She was beautiful. Uh, she was a beautiful blonde. And, and, and you know, all the, she would turn heads whenever she walked by. She didn't go to school. She, she put her husband through school. And, and, but when we got a chance to, to, to see her or be around her, uh, you know what? Our, 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 our thoughts changed in a hurry. Because she had an acid tongue that would peel the pain off of the wall. And it reinforces this idea of beauty is only skin deep. Let me just say something here too. It is, uh, we, can develop, we can develop the internal uh, by praising character and investing in it. Moms and dads, this is something I would tell you. As you praise your children, don't always say, oh, you're beautiful, you're cute. Praise the things that you see in them that make them strong and show that God is a part of their life. And as you do that, you will build them up in the right way. And it won't be just about the externals. I want to give you three reasons, and I'm looking at this crowd today, and I think most of you may be around this, but for those of us in our younger crowd over here, and you're thinking about dating, I have three rules that I think are very important if you're considering dating. And I would say you're ready to date when, you're ready to date when, number one is you know the kind of person you want. I've just given you five characteristics, okay? And, and those five characteristics should be added to, and when you understand the type of person that, that, that you're looking for, then, then you're kind of getting close to be ready today. The second one is you will not give up on your relationship with God or your morality to find somebody. If they're asking you to move away from Jesus, if they're asking you to do things that are against God's word, what you need to say is, we're not going there, this relationship is over. Okay, and if you're not willing to give up, 
then you shouldn't be dating. The last one is that you're willing to stay single instead of compromise. You're willing to stay single instead of compromise. Now, I, I just tell you these things. Is this attraction level is all before you ever get to the dating. This is, this is knowing the answers to the test before you actually get to the test. And, and so you understand this. So let's move on to the second, and that's dating. At the, at the, the first question, attraction, who are they? And the second one is, are they the one? So in dating, uh, it's a little bit different in our world. In our world today, dating is about recreational sex, Okay. I, I really don't know any other way to say it, but, but, but you know, that's not the way it is in a lot of the world. Uh, in, in India, we had a student from India, and one summer he went home and came back with a wife, Anna, okay? And I asked him, I said, how did that happen? He says, well, our marriage was all arranged, okay? I, I've known Anna, our families have known each other, and my mom and dad know me really well, her mom and dad know her really well, and you know what? They decided that we would be good for each other. I said, well, that's not going to work, is it? He says, actually, it works better than the American way of dating. He says, every person you date, you give away a part of your heart to. And I thought, ouch. That was pretty incredible insight. So now we're going to kind of look at that dating relationship, and we're going to see that. So we're going to look in verse 9, chapter 1, verse 9, and we're going to kind of get into their back and forth now. They're doing a little bit of sweet talking to each other, so, uh, uh, and, and I want you to hear this. And he says, he, I liken you, my darling, to a mare among chariots, Pharaoh horses. Guys, you've got to put this in context. Don't go home and tell your wife. Uh, are your girlfriend, <laughs> you look like a horse woman, okay? <laughs> that is not going to work out well for you. <laughs> I just want to tell you that, that, that isn't going to work, okay? Uh, put it in context. And, and, uh, and, and then it says, your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make, your ear, we will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. He is investing in this woman. He says, you are valuable to me. You're as valuable as one of Pharaoh's prized horses. And then he begins to invest in her. And then, then listen to what she says. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My beloved's me is, uh, is a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. Now, a sachet of myrrh was a, a fragrance that would heat up. Uh, when it was next to your skin, it would put off a lovely, uh, a lovely smell. And, and, uh, and can I just tell you what she's saying here? She's saying, I want your head right here, big boy. I want your head right here, okay? Woo! <laughs> and then she says, my beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engedi. Engedi was an oasis, and, and the henna blossoms were, were a beautiful uh, flower, and on top of that, they, they put off a great smell. Can I just tell you what's going on here? And we're going to talk about three traits of a good dating relationship. Here, it, it is all about admiration. They are admiring each other. Again, remember the context, guys. Don't call your wife a horse. Um, but there is some serious sweet talking going on here. She sees this man as pleasing, and she is getting heated up, and she wants some of that. And, uh, and, uh, and, and, and she sees him as in Getty, a place where there is nourishment, a place where there is refreshment, a place that is safe. And so I just tell you, is they are admiring each other. Married folks, look right up here for just a second. I want you to hear this. This is really important. If you are not telling your mate that they are special, Satan will find somebody who will. Let me repeat that. If you're not telling your mate that they are special, 
Satan will find somebody who will. I've heard this time and time again, and that's the beginning of an affair. That's the beginning of a marriage breaking down. So that's what, that's what I'm just telling you here. This admiration isn't just for the dating life, isn't just for the courtship. It's what you've got to do continually is admire and bless them and honor them. Let's keep on reading. They're going to go back and forth now. And then this is in verse 15. How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful your eyes are doves. How handsome you are, my beloved. Oh, how charming. And our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars, he says. Our rafters are firs. He's talking, he's comparing her to a house there. You know, the Commodores did that a, a, a number of years ago. <laughs> they, they said, she's a brick house, okay? <laughs> Can I just tell you, Solomon already beat him to the punch, okay? <laughs> uh, so... And then listen to what she says about herself. She says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Do you remember just a few verses ago what she was saying? She was saying, don't look at me. My skin is dark. You you don't want to look at me. And now her whole view of herself has been changed. Can I tell you, you can do that with your mate with a little bit of admiration with a little bit of loving them. And then he responds back, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. Did you catch that? Every other woman is like a thorn compared to you. Wow. Here's a little bit of respect, and that's the second aspect of dating that you want, is the respect. They continue to praise each other, and can I tell you, that praise actually changed their views of each other. Solomon was a powerful man, and when he invested in her, it changed how she saw. Can I tell you something, guys? Can I tell you something? If you're unhappy with your wife, I will tell you the best way to do it is to begin to praise and honor her, and you'll see change. Don't nag. Uh, don't, don't say you've got to change in this way, but you praise and honor her, and I guarantee you God can work with that. And, and so he, here's what I would have you to understand also. From Ephesians 5.33, Paul tells us about marriage, and, and this is what it says. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Guys, we're to love the women that are there. And, and I'm just going to tell you, it doesn't mean that you've told her that you love her once, and, and, and if anything changes, you're going to tell her differently? No, you, you, you've got to tell her that you love her all the time. But it's got to be more than with words. It's got to be with actions. And, and, and that means doing nice things. That, that means opening a door. That, that means uh, being kind and, and, and praising and honor her. But ladies, let me tell you what guys need. We, we've got egos, ladies. You knew that, though. That's no surprise. And, and we need respect. We need appreciation. We need somebody to tell us that, that we're doing okay. Uh, you, you, you'll just be stroking our egos, but boy, uh, you would be surprised uh, the, the strong guys and how fragile they are because of their egos. And, and so what Paul tells us and, and what we see in Song of Solomon is that respect is really important. So let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Um, verse 3. She says, like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. Yeehaw, okay. 
There are a lot of trees out there, but you are. You are the apple tree, and I'm enjoying the fruit, okay? This next, uh, this next phrase in here is an interesting phrase, and you may recognize it. If you're as old as I am, we used to sing a song here uh, when I was in, in youth group. And, and listen to what it says. Let him lead me to the banquet hall, and let his banner over me be love. Now, let me just tell you what she's saying there. She says, honey, your, your body is a love buffet, and I'm ready to go, Okay? Uh, that, that's basically what I'm saying. Now, I don't know if y'all are like me, but when I was in a, a teenager, we used to sing this song. He lifts me up to the banqueting table. His banner over me is love. He lifts, anybody, I see some heads nodding. You, you remember that song? You know, as a teenager, if I'd understand what that was really about, I would have sang it a lot more, okay? <laughs> uh, I, I think we kind of took that song a little bit out of context, but uh, uh, it's there. And then he says, strengthen me with raisins. And raisins were considered an aphrodisiac. And then he says, refresh me with apples. For I am faint with love. And then his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. You'll recognize that as a position for foreplay. They're getting heated up. I don't know any other way to say it. And then he, I want you to notice he here. This is what he does. He says, daughters of Jerusalem. I charge you by gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or waken love until it so desires. Can I tell you what he does right there? He realizes they're headed into dangerous territory, and he puts on the brakes. The, the third characteristic, the third trait that you need to have to have a good dating is restraint. Restraint. They see each other as places of nourishment, of safety, and relaxation. And, and, and you know, uh, there's strong desire at this point. And they put on the brakes in a hurry. And I notice, I want you to notice, gentlemen, I'm going to speak to the gentleman for just a minute. The gentleman does it here. He says, hold on. What he's doing is being the spiritual leader. That's what God has called us to do. And guys, I'm asking you to step up here. I'm asking you to step up and become the spiritual leader. I'm asking you, especially if you're in a dating relationship, guys, you know where you're not supposed to go. Don't go there. And be a man of God and, and, and let that happen. And ladies, if you have somebody that is pressuring you, can I tell you what you need to do? You need to hightail it out of there and get away. So let me just talk about sex for just a minute. Uh, we'll talk about it a lot more next week. Uh, God designed sex, and he knows what's best. And it's designed to be between a man and a woman in the confines of marriage. That's what I would call designer sex, okay? Uh, you're doing it by the way that God has asked. And if we don't listen to God, what we're going to do is we're going to settle for less than the best. And, and I will tell you, that just does not work, and you don't want that. And, and, uh, and it, let's just say you want to you, you start a fire in your house, and you do it right in the middle of your, your living room. What's going to happen? It's going to burn the house down. But if you put it in the fireplace, it's warm and nourishing and will help you. So I, I want you to understand that passion, passion is a terrible foundation for marriage, feral foundation for relationship. And what we do is we get all wrapped up in the passion, and what do we do? We never communicate to find out if they actually are the one. So, so uh, I, I like what the uh, great philosopher Johnny Cash said. He said, we got married in a fever hotter than a pepper sprout, and we've been talking about Jackson ever since the fire went out. What he's saying is we had sex in the wrong place, and it destroyed us later. 
Uh, I, I, there are two keys to dating. One is time. You need a long period of time to see if that person is really who they say they are, and you need cultivation. And I would tell you for cultivation, what I think is so important is you see that person in different lights. You know, typically we, we, we want to go to a movie and, and, uh, and, and maybe have a meal, and, and then, then we get wrapped all wrapped up together because we don't have anything else to do. I would encourage you to find some things where you see that person in different light. It might be uh, serving a church together. It might be going on a mission trip together. It, it could be any number of things where you learn about who they are deep down. I, I like this illustration. I heard it from a guy named Tommy Nelson. And he says, you're running along in life, and, and you notice somebody over here that's running in the same direction and running at the same sp speed, and you notice that they're attractive. And what do you do? Hi. Okay? That's what you're looking for. That person that's moving in the same direction and that person that is moving at the same speed. So many times we grab a hold of somebody that's headed out this way or, or they're headed that way and, and, and they're taking us away from God and not closer to God or they're going in the opposite direction. So we've hit attraction and we've hit dating and we're going to get to the third aspect of this and this is what I would call courtship. And the question that we're trying to answer here is can I spend a lifetime with them? Courtship is where you're asking that question, can I be with them until death do us part? That's a hard question. And if you haven't done a good job in the, the, the attraction and dating stage, if you haven't vetted them well, can I just tell you what's going to happen? It's going to be extremely painful because you've given them a part of your heart and, uh, and, and it could be ripped out. So there's four characteristics of, of courtship that I'm going to give you. And this is, uh, we're going to start in, in chapter 2 and verse 8. He said, look, my beloved, look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle, a young stag. Look, there he is. He stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. I think you've got a peeping Tom on our hands there, it sounds like. Uh, let, let me just tell you, there's some excitement. They are excited to see each other. There is anticipation. I, I have this problem whenever I go away, and I'm away from Kathy for very long. When I'm coming back, I drive a lot faster coming home. I'm always scared I'm going to get a ticket because I want to be with her. I want to see her. I want to hear her voice. And, and can I tell you, if at any point in any relationship, in the dating relationship, there isn't that anticipation in the courtship, if there isn't that excitement... Uh, that will be a clear sign that you can't spend a lifetime with them. Let's keep on reading. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. See, the winter is past. The, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. Seasons of singing have come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit, and the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. And the second thing that, that needs to be in courtship is it needs to be life-giving. It needs to be life-giving. When you're around that person, there is fruit. It, it is a pleasant thing to have happen. And so I just simply say, if they aren't bringing life to you, if they're draining you, that's a clear sign you can't spend a lifetime with them. Let's keep on going. In 2.14, it says, My dove in the cleft of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. The third thing in the courtship is there needs to be some revelation. This is face-to-face -face talking. I would tell you it needs to be hands-off talking, okay? Uh, because it, it, if the passion gets started, the talking won't happen. And this is so important. There are some conferences, conversations that you need to have. 
And let me just tell you what some of them are. You need to talk about your dreams. You need to be talking about your families. You need to be talking about the family that you might want. And in fact, I think there is even in this place, a place where you air your dirty laundry. There may be things in your past. There may be things that, that, that have happened to you or, or happened through you that you just need to say, this has happened and we got to get it out so that what? So that they understand. Because if you bring it up later, it'll hurt. And, and, and then let's continue to read. Oh, let, me, let me tell you about a couple I, I did some counseling with. Uh, and uh, he, he wanted children. She didn't. He wanted children. She didn't. And, and I thought it was going to be a deal breaker because she was adamant about not wanting. But, but she said, finally, she, she made a compromise. She said, we'll have one. We saw them a couple of uh, years ago, and uh, now they have eight, okay? <laughs> they said the first one was so much fun, and they said, we ain't stopping at eight. So, uh, I, uh, so uh, we'll stop there. Verse 15 with chapter 2. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. Our vineyards are in bloom. There needs to be protection at the courtship stage. Protection. Uh, and, and what would happen is the foxes would come along and they would eat the blossoms off the grapevines, okay? And there would be no fruit. The vines would be worthless. And, and I, I would translate it this way, keep the deer out of your garden. We in Milledgeville can understand that, right? Okay. So, so let me give you three foxes that will destroy a relationship at the courtship stage. Premarital, premarital sex. Uh, I've seen it time and time again. We know from studies that if you have premarital sex later on, it's not going to be nearly as fulfilling. And I'd actually watch college students. I would know when their relationships were getting physical because they would start uh, fighting a lot more than they normally did. Second one is unresolved conflict. If you don't resolve conflict, it will come back to bite you on the rear. And the third one is this, debt. Don't bring any debt into marriage. Uh, I've watched couples that will bring thousands, forty, fifty thousand dollars from a wedding into marriage, and boy, that's something that takes a long time to dig out from under. So, so there has to be protection at, at this level, at the courtship level. It's about deepening. There has to be a commitment, and there has to be communication, and there has to be asking God for wisdom, and there has to be patience. Hey, we've covered a lot today, and, and we've moved very quickly. And, and, and uh, I, if I could sum it all up, I would go to a verse in 1 Samuel 16. They're looking for a king, and, and this is what God tells Samuel. Uh, he, he's looked uh, at a couple of guys, and this is what God tells. He says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. What I've been trying to say to you all this time is one simple thing, is, is go through the attraction, through the dating, through the courtship, to move past the externals and get to the heart. And, and you know what? I, I say this a lot. It's a matter of the heart. And uh, the only one that can repair a heart is our God. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful for this book and for what you are teaching us through it. And Father, today we've gone through a lot, and I just pray that you'll speak to our hearts about the condition of our hearts. Now, Father, I'm asking you right now that you would show each and every one of us uh, our hearts and, and how you can help us. Father, remind us, remind us in this time uh, that, that you can restore what the locusts have eaten. Uh, Father, that you can work in us to make us whole again. So, Father, in this time, I just ask you speak to us and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
you, you always hear this, and I hear a lot of people say it, I'm looking for the right person. I, 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 would, I would tell you, don't. Be the right person. And if you're the right person, as you're running that race, and you look over and you see another person that's running along beside you, God will lead you to that person. But first, take care of yourself. And so as we wrap up, we're just going to have a time of prayer. And if you need prayer uh, for anything, if it's a health concern, if it's uh, to get your heart right, if it's to pray for a neighbor that you'd like to know Jesus, I'd love to pray with you. Some of our elders would love to pray with you. Uh, But what I'm saying is this, is that is when we have something that needs to go to God, we have to take it there. So let's stand up and sing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.